those of you that are regulars here will know we're working through a series called um, Called to Be, and today Called to Be Connected. And the passage we're going to read that picks up this theme is Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 4, and beginning at verse 2. Colossians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for that express purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And thinking about this bit about being connected, I've actually got a task for you to do to start off with. So when you're just talking to people nearby, how many Baptist churches in the Plymouth district, and I'll give you a little clue, that word district uh, extends slightly beyond the Plymouth boundaries, but how many Baptist churches in the Plymouth district can you call to mind, can you name? Off you go. you actually managed to get. Now, we know that the Anglican and the Methodist denominations are centrally organized and governed. So you have archbishops and bishops and synods and all this kind of thing. One of the reasons Baptists broke away from that is that they emphasized the local congregation. They said any group of Christians meeting together as a church has power by the Holy Spirit to discern the mind of Christ in other words, to find out what God wants them to do for that group. 
And so they became known as independent churches. And independence is a good thing, but it can also be a curse if it's only independence. What scripture teaches is independence and interdependence. Yes, we are independent. Yes, we come together. We seek the mind of Christ. We want to know what God wants for us. But we are also part of something much bigger. The verses we read at the end of Colossians, and you can find similar things towards the end of lots of Paul's letters, are not verses we often read or preach on. But we're looking at them today because they give us a snapshot of that web of relationships and connection and dependence that existed in New Testament times and should exist today. Paul's writing to a church in Colossae. He's probably writing from Rome, though if you dig into the commentaries, some people think he might be in Ephesus or in Caesarea, but the, the majority vote goes for Rome. He mentions churches at Hierapolis and Laodicea, particularly this business of saying to the Colossians, send your letter on to the Laodiceans and get the letter I've written to them. That causes the scholars all sorts of problems. Where's the letter that Paul sent to the Laodiceans? Well, the answer is it's lost. Like, I, I think I, I saw the quote, something like 99% of everything in history is lost. We've just got the fragments. We've probably got more in the New Testament than uh, in many other periods of history. But we don't have that letter. But Paul mentions this group of churches because they were together in a place called the Lycus Valley. And uh, once they were all very important cities because they were on trade routes and so they were rich and prosperous and influential. Sometime before this, there'd been an earthquake. Laodicea had managed to rebuild. Herapolis was still a strong city. Colossae had started to go downhill. So by the time Paul writes to the Colossians, it wasn't really the place it had once been. It was regarded as, well, just a small sort of town rather than a big influential city. The Jewish historian Josephus says that sometime prior to this, 2,000 Jewish families had been moved into the area. So the church at Colossae was probably a good mix of Jews... Phrygians, if that's the way you pronounce it, because this is the area called Phrygia, uh, the local people, and Greeks, Greeks and Romans who'd settled there. So a, a mixed, multi-race congregation. And Paul says to these people, devote yourselves to prayer. Pray for me and the church in Rome, and by implication, pray for all these other people that I mention. So let's look at this links, this network of links that Paul writes about. He mentions Tychicus. He's the letter bearer. There was a postal system in New Testament times, but only the emperor and his staff could use it. Ordinary people either had to have somebody of their group to actually deliver the letter, or you went down to the marketplace, you found a merchant trader who was heading in that direction, and you pay them to deliver their letters. Well, Paul had with him at Rome Tychicus, and Tychicus was willing to go to Colossae, and so he delivered the letter. But he did more than that. 
and again, this was common practice in those days, if you could send one of your own group, you could, that person could tell all the stuff that wasn't in the letter. Letters were difficult to write and expensive, so you didn't let them run for pages and pages and pages. You put, kept it all fairly brief. But Tychicus would answer the questions. Oh, what's Paul doing with this? And what's happening here? And he, he'd tell those stories. Oh, we had this great conversation with so-and-so. And fill it all out. Pass on all the information. Did you notice his description? He's described as a dear brother, a faithful minister. That's minister with a small m, somebody involved in the work of Christ. In other words, what all of us are. A faithful minister and a fellow servant. And that's where the connectedness comes in. We are connected with other churches, with Christians all around the world, because we belong to the same family and we're doing the same job. Onesimus was going with him. He'd been with Paul. He was now coming home to Colossae. And there's lots more stuff about him elsewhere, but we're not going to go into that this morning. Aristarchus was imprisoned with Paul. He needed prayers as much as Paul did. Paul didn't just want the church to pray for the famous people. Pray for Aristarchus. He's in it with me. Mark, who would go on to write a gospel, he might be coming to visit the Colossians, and they, they are told, welcome him. There's this connectedness. It's not just you're praying for people at a distance, but when they come, make them feel at home. Get to know them, be part of them. And he mentions someone called Jesus, called Justice. One of many people in the New Testament that we know virtually nothing about. Jesus was quite a common name. It's the same name as Joshua. And uh, here's another faithful servant. Paul says, that group, they're the Jewish folk that are with me. And then he says, what also here is Epaphras. Now, Epaphras was the person who had preached the gospel in Colossae. He was the one who brought the gospel there and founded the church. It wasn't one of Paul's churches. And now he's working with Paul, supporting Paul in Rome, bringing support from the church to Paul. And Paul says, praying regularly. It's interesting, there's two words that Paul uses. He says to the Colossians, be devoted to prayer. And that makes me feel guilty. I don't Am I devoted to prayer? Probably if I'm honest. No, because there are times when I could pray and I don't. And times when I could... Well, I just forget about things. I pray to God when it's a panic. I try and be regular every day and more or less succeed. But out of all the things that I do... Would I describe it as devoted? There's a challenge. And he says of Epaphras, he wrestles in prayer for you. Do I wrestle with God in prayer? Do we? Do we keep badgering God until something's sorted? Oh, I know there's all more to prayer than simply that. But are we serious? Is it a battle in our lives to make sure that God's will is done and not we play our part wrestling in prayer, and he says he wrestles in prayer for you and for the churches at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Paul mentions Luke. Luke is obviously in Rome at that time. He's the guy who wrote the Gospel and Acts, and it's this reference that we discover Luke's job, a doctor. And Demas, 
also working with Paul at that stage. Sadly, later we're told who fell away from his faith. And then an interesting reference, Nympha and the church that meets in her house. It's always difficult, apparently, in Greek to determine male and female. And some argue that this should be nymphas, it's a man, but most of the experts and the translators today say nympha, a woman, possibly a widow, reasonably wealthy widow, who could open her home for the church to meet in. A wide variety of all sorts of people, all sorts of networks, all crisscrossing. And Paul says, for these people and for these churches that are on your doorstep, devote yourselves to prayer. Okay, so how do we do that today? Let me take you through the Baptist churches and you can go, oh, I forgot that one. I'm doing them in alphabetical order, so no favoritism. All nations. That's our newest Baptist church. It meets down in the city centre in the Catherine Street building. And uh, you, you may well see them at the sundial singing and doing evangelism. They have a great big event up on the hoe every year. And uh, they also provide lunches for homeless and vulnerable. As the name suggests, it's a very multiracial congregation with a Rwandan pastor, Pastor Osei. Catherine Street is the descendant of George Street, the church that founded Mutley. When I was younger, Catherine Street used to be called Old George Street Baptist Church because it kept the name from its previous thing. And people used to say, where's Old George Street? And people would say, Catherine Street. Uh. So practicality meant the name changed. But that's the church that founded us. It's a small church, mainly elderly now, but folk who are seeking, what does God want us to do in this situation? We've been big and successful. We've planted churches. We've done all this. What's God saying to us now? Christ Church, Estover. I bet most people didn't get that one. It's an ecumenical church, but it has a Baptist part of that ecumenical church. It's up there by Asda. Now, this part of the world pick up a stone and throw it in any direction, you'll hit a church building. I'm not encouraging you to do that, but (laughs) all around us, there are churches everywhere. Get up in the north of the city, there are very few. Tremendous ministry for a church like Christ Church to be in these big areas of housing and to take the gospel into places where there are few Christians working. We would, at this point, have added in Chaddleward, church planted by Mutley over 20 years ago. Sadly, that church had to close earlier this year, though there are still folk, ex-members of Chandlewood, doing community work out in the, uh, the youth centre at Plimpton. Devonport, Devonport Community Baptist, also founded uh, by Mutley, planted, meeting in uh, the Welcome Hall at Devonport, doing activities in the local cafe and other things, but struggling in a very difficult area. Ford. I preached there a little while ago and I discovered something I didn't know. They were also founded by George Street. So are they older or younger than Mutley? Older. 1863. We were 1869. And uh, 
again, the same kind of pattern. There were new houses springing up and a new community being built. And George Street, this church, had the vision. Let's put a church there right in the middle of it. Today, it's a very small church. But they've been able to sell half of their building for development. They're using the money to redevelop the rest of the building. Uh, They've been able to call a minister for two days a week. And they've got fabulous plans for reaching out into the community. They already do a good work with Boys Brigade and Girls Brigade. Very small. Big plans, big vision. Who, when that was founded out uh, east of the city, was an independent village. It wasn't even part of Plymouth. A medium-sized church in a, a varied area trying to be very much in the community. Hope up the road at Peveril. Now, you ain't going to like this, folks, because this has been a subject for some years amongst certain people, but in terms of the congregation on a Sunday morning, Hope is pretty certainly the largest Baptist congregation in Plymouth. Not Mutley anymore. But we still usually beat them at football. (laughs) No? They didn't beat... Did they beat us last time? Oh, we... We've lost the plot completely then. (laughs) New minister appointed recently. And here's a church asking God, what do we do with success? Lord, you're sending all these people. We've got lots happening. We've got big numbers. What do you want us to do? Morris kept the name from the church in Devonport that... uh, whose funds were used after the war to build them at the Ham Estate. Um, In recent times... Percentage-wise, it's been the fastest-growing Baptist church in Plymouth because they've been growing something like 10% a year. Now, that's only three people. But wouldn't we like to grow 10% a year? Doing a fabulous job in reaching needy folk in a very needy community. Mutley would come next. St. Budo, out on the west of the city. Uh, It's a funny area, St. Budo. I lived there as a child. Some parts of it are very middle class and a lot of older people. Um, they bought their homes, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago and have always lived there. Other parts, particularly uh, right where the church is, all sorts of social needs. Church doesn't have a minister, it has a moderator, but they've been able to find some funds and appoint a youth and community worker who's developing all sorts of things in the area. Salisbury Road Baptist, just up the road from us, um, looking at projects to redevelop their building to make it more community-friendly and ways of getting into the community. Again, a minister only been there a relatively short time. And that one church that's in the Plymouth district, but not in Plymouth, is Saltash. Thriving church with all sorts of exciting things happening. There are immediate networks. They're the churches we're connected with. Somebody might say, well, I've heard of a church called Beacon Park Baptist. Yeah, there's a Beacon Park Baptist. It's in the old Peveril Methodist Church. It's what we call a Reformed Baptist Church. Group of Baptist churches who hold very strict views on who they will associate with and who they won't. And they certainly won't associate with any Baptist churches that are part of the Baptist Union. They do their own thing. They have connections with churches elsewhere. Let's not criticize or condemn. They do what they believe is right and they work for Christ and they seek to bring the gospel 
to the community. But in case you're wondering why there's another church labeled Baptist, that's it. Baptist churches are organized in districts, and the districts come together in associations. We're part of the Southwest Baptist Association. Chris, our interim minister, is one of the regional ministers, along with Carl and Nigel. They do a fabulous job in joining churches together, troubleshooting, encouraging, developing all sorts of things. Then up above, there's the Baptist Union, which is a link of churches, associations, and colleges. And then there are Baptist unions in countries all around the world. We are in this huge network just with Baptists. And there's more than that. Because we, these days, don't get thrown into prison for not being Anglicans. We actually like Anglicans and Methodists and United... We are in relationship with all the denominations. And CTIP, Christians Together in Plymouth, has done some phenomenal work. They've got their City Transformation Conference next week. And um, they've done phenomenal work building links with the local authority and the people in power and demonstrating the kind of work that churches do. And there's another way in which we're networked. And we're going to see something of it on a video. called to be connected because we're part of the same family and we're doing the same job. What do we do about it? Well, maybe you want to get involved in something. Maybe you can offer some help to one of those churches I mentioned. Maybe you can sign up and become a street pastor. Or I'm told we could do with a few more Mutley members on the soup run team that runs from here. Talk to Adrian if you're interested in that. But we can all pray. We can devote ourselves to prayer. We can wrestle with prayer. Here's two suggestions that you might want to take up, two very practical things to finish. Pick one church out of all the ones you know. Spend a month praying for them. Find out a bit about what's going on, what their needs are, and commit yourself to wrestle with God in prayer for that church for a month. Or... List the lot, chuck in Anglicans, Methodists, everybody else, and uh, pray for a different church every day. Just asking God to bless them and to use them. We are called to be members at Mutley Baptist Church. We have a role as a church in this community, but we are also called to be connected because we're part of the same family and we're called to the same work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that incredible network, that incredible family of your people around the world. Father, help us to build relations with fellow Christians, fellow churches locally and nationally and internationally. And Father, if there are any of us that you're calling to do specific tasks in working together, make that clear to us. Father, if you want some of us to, to devote ourselves more to prayer for fellow brothers and sisters, then make that clear to us too. Father, thank you for all the links that you give us and all those who are praying for us, even as we pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen.